Talking Taker, episode 168 of our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio. I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy. I really hope he's wearing a cup right now, Mr. Travis Wright. Because, Travis, tonight we are talking about Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker from SummerSlam 2015. And I hope you're wearing a cup. I hope you're wearing a helmet. I hope you're wearing a, a seatbelt, dude, because this is a wild ride that includes Paul Heyman spontaneously breaking into song, John Stewart from The Daily Show getting involved, and The Undertaker becoming obsessed with kicking Brock Lesnar right in the Jimmy John. <laughs> it's absurd. Quick delivery. Oh, yes. Yeah, right to the Jimmy John. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is a wild, wild ride. I can't believe you're talking about Jon Stewart, but we definitely are. So, whew, let's get the show on the road, man. <laughs> this is... This is a crazy one. It's crazy. And it's... it's, it's I think it's going to be fun to revisit Brock and, and Taker because... You know, we had them in 2000 and what, two or three, all that stuff, and then had them again, obviously, a few weeks ago. But that was, you know, people have a bitter taste in their mouth about that one, obviously, I mean, with all, you know, with every right because of the streak. But this one is kind of a, I don't know, it's got a new twist on it. I like it. I dig it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, this is, I think it's going to be a really fun one. You know, that the last Brock Lesnar one that we did WrestleMania 30 very sad very somber sure. mood over all of it uh, it's a depressing moment in the Undertaker's history it's depressing to watch him like he, he's yeah. just not all there during that match well buddy he is all the way live during this match dude <laughs> is, we're talking a wild brawl on Monday Night Raw too that is just off the rails uh, this is going to be a fun one folks I think you're going to enjoy it here as we continue on our ever-shortening journey match-by-match match through the pay-per-view career of The Undertaker. And uh, we're actually going to be in 2015 for a little bit longer than we've been in some yeah. of these other years. So we'll take the time traveling Hearst back to... Uh, we picked up. We last left off at WrestleMania 31 with The Undertaker coming back for his post-streak journey and putting down Bray Wyatt, the new face of fear, in a feud in a match that might have left a little bit lacking uh but we're all wondering where does the undertaker go from here so travis why don't you take us back to uh take us back to the raw after wrestlemania 2015 and, and uh, get us up here to SummerSlam. yeah for those of you who turned off wwe once the streak was dead uh <laughs> and you know join us for last week's episode and yeah. then if you weren't satisfied with that um because taker beat the new face fear then Join us for this one, and, and we'll kind of keep you up to speed here because the Raw after that, Brock kind of turns face, in my opinion. He destroys 
everything when he doesn't get his match with Rollins going, and he might actually puts Michael Cole through a table, which in anyone's book is a babyface turn. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I wish but, he would have uh, found Matt Stryker wherever he was. I don't even think he was with the company, but just picked him up by the pulled, belt loop. Yeah. Yeah. Put him and Josh um, Matthews and all these yeah. fools. Well, as Taker has been apt to do, he disappears after WrestleMania. Um, and Brock actually disappears after this night. They quote-unquote suspend him, I think. The authority does, just to explain him getting off TV. So he comes back later on in the summer and get, you know is going to get his title shot against Seth Rollins. And he gets that at Battleground. So just want to give a little context to where we are. Because, again, Brock is kind of a baby face here. I mean, he's he's easy to boo when you beat the streak. But then you go on and you squash John Cena big face reaction then you go on and you're just squashing folks left and right and they had that killer three-way um at royal rumble of 2015 him and cena and and, and rollins awesome stuff and again, again like you said putting my cold through a table you're a baby face you know he comes back you're feuding with the heel uh the number one heel who's seth mm-hmm. rollins I mean, yeah kind of a baby face by default but again usually when you would take her he's a he's a he's a heel so yeah. it's weird He's a he's a tweener, if nothing else, you know. Yes. Like he certainly is at least that because the crowd is on his side, even sure. if it feels like they're they're still kind of booking him as a heel. But uh, you throw Roman Reigns in there too. The fans don't yep. want to cheer for Roman Reigns; exactly. they'd rather cheer for Brock Lesnar over him. And mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna see that throughout this feud with the Undertaker, man. It's gonna be kind of shocking to see the some of the crowd reactions here. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to bring us to to Battleground 2015 on July 19th. So fast forward in a little bit. Um, this is from in St. Louis, Missouri, Scott Trade Center. It's Lesnar versus Rollins uh, for the WWE title. Again, like I said, Brock's basically a babyface here. And uh, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, Brock winds up taking Rollins to Suplex City. I think it's 13 German suplexes, which Ooh. that's kind of his, his new gimmick here after the him and, and uh, Cena from SummerSlam last year. Um, hits an F5 and uh, gets a one count because as he the ref is going uh, to count again, the gong hits and the lights go out. So he, Taker's music interrupts the count here. Um, the crowd absolutely explodes there in Missouri. They just love it. And uh, the lights come back on and Taker is in the ring already. And Seth Rollins has wisely wisely slinked out of the slunk slinked <laughs> slunk out slink out of the ring i don't know what the past sense of slink is slinkied slinkied <laughs> slinky dogged out of the ring and taking his title home so uh taker is right there and he goozles uh lesnar for a choke slam lesnar's gonna slip out of that goes for an f5 under taker slips out of that and then just like you said hope he's wearing a cup he just Dong, kicks him right <laughs> in Death Valley, man. Just I gotta, again. we gotta have that no mercy sound Whoopsie. effect in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, China's moving. You hold A and B, and she like lunge at him and gong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bell uh, rings. Yeah, good stuff. But um, yeah, and Brock, man, again, he when he is selling for somebody who he needs to sell for, he is. There's almost nobody better, man. He is great. I love the way he sells this hit because again. He's been in real shoot fights where he's probably been hit like this in the UFC, you know. So, and then Taker uh, waits like for just a second and hits a choke slam on it, and the crowd's on their feet. They're cheering, but they're also kind of confused because, again, Brock's kind of a babyface here. Um, but Taker is just stewing. He's angry. He's got so much emotion pouring out of him. He picks Brock up, hits a tombstone in the middle of the ring. Fans are chanting Undertaker, uh, and then Taker just looks at him. Looks, kind of looks around at the crowd, taking in what he's done. 
The entire crowd is chanting for him. Brock starts to get up. Taker gets back in the ring, does a throat slash to a huge pop, and hits a second tombstone right there in the middle. Yes. So good, man. And and Heyman's on the outside. Like, oh, my. And he's just, he's just freaking out at what's going on because he can't believe it. But then the crowds, of course, this is 2015. We're getting recent. The crowd's all about getting themselves over. So they're like, one more time, one more time. But Taker is a veteran. He does not let the crowd dictate what he's going to do. He will dictate what you're going to do. So he doesn't give it to him. And that's a smart move because – Taker's not known. It would it would be against his character to give in to what the crowd says, you know. But he takes the knee, does the Hamlet Shakespeare pose or whatever, and uh, soaks it in. And flame shoots up from the entrance, and he gets a standing ovation. I mean, there's not a there's not a butt in a seat, man. They are everybody's standing, giving him a standing ovation because again, he's there. It's good to see him again. Brock is still selling in the ring, and this was very surprising. I I remember thinking going in this match, how are you going to get out of like it, I know they're not taking the title off Rollins. But they're not going to let Lesnar get a pinfall and take the pinfall here. So what's going to happen? So this was pretty cool. And um, I really, really liked uh, the ending of this and the surprise factor of it. Yeah, normally it's it's a huge cop-out when you end a pay-per-view and end a world title match with a non-finish like this. But right. if you're going to do it, you need to do something like this. You need to have somebody, big. some big return and a big moment to have it to where the fans aren't just like wanting their money back because they didn't get right. a finish in the main event. And I don't think anybody wanted their money back after that. Uh, yeah, if like Bo Dallas ran out and did this, he'd be like, boo, or something, you know, Curtis Axel. But like, this is The Undertaker, you know? Right. It's, it's, it's okay. And so. it was a huge surprise. We had no idea yeah. it was coming. Had no idea he'd be going after Brock Lesnar again here. I certainly didn't. As mm. we take it to Raw, the night after Battleground, July 20th, 2015, Obviously, we got to begin with The Undertaker here uh, making his first appearance on Raw since before WrestleMania 30. So he hasn't appeared yeah. on TV uh, outside of WrestleMania against Bray Wyatt since uh, for over a year and uh, well over a year here, which yeah. is a huge, huge deal to see him here. And I mean, he starts it off as as anyone would with a promo here as he says. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty spot on. <laughs> I stand here tonight, a relentless, remorseless, cold blooded, vengeful, grim reaper. You know you're in for a promo when that is coming in hot. Oh, yeah. Coming in you're kicking, hot. You're kicking it off like that. You know it's, <laughs> um, you know, it's going to be good. Woo! Uh, Undertaker says, streaks are made to be broken. But Brock Lesnar continuously, week after week after week, reminds everyone of this accomplishment. And Undertaker says, enough. He says, Lesnar has taken what was once smoldering ashes and turned it into a raging inferno. And last night was his true resurrection. So, WrestleMania 31, didn't count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my only problem with this. My only nitpick is they just kind of pretend like it didn't happen. He talks about this was his resurrection. Like, sorry, Bray. It was a soft Again, resurrection goes- at WrestleMania 31. <laughs> 
Yeah, just a trial. Which, again, goes back to our conversation last week about how why not just have him lose. This is his resurrection here. Right. You know, like yep. he's coming back for vengeance. He doesn't have it anymore. He's got to get vengeance on Brock. So anyway, go ahead. No, I like that. And, and I like what Undertaker's saying here. He's saying he can live with the fact that he got beat. Like sure. he's a man. He can handle that. But what he can't stand is Brock rubbing it in week Mm -hmm. after week, month after month, repeating it over and over again and making his name off of it. And so now he's got to come back and avenge that loss. He says, well, because they even they don't bring this up, but, you know, well, specifically, but even when in 2014, when Heyman was with Cesaro or Curtis Axel or or, no Cesaro, he would say. He would put Brock over while he's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, pimping out Cesaro here on the stage. You know, maybe like, my other clients, the one that put the one and 21 and one. Like, so, you know, that was even while Brock is not even on TV, Heyman's still doing it all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. And it plays into this perfectly. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker finish it up, finishes it up, gets his point across, says, in the end, just like all living things, be they man or beast, Brock will rest in peace. You good? <laughs> yeah. I was just laughing okay. about a Will Ferrell thing. Be he a man or beast. Right. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Taker just quoted Will Ferrell. <laughs> well, then we cut backstage right after this, and we see Triple H and Stephanie watching the promo backstage, and they are ecstatic to have yes. Undertaker back on Monday Night Raw. You know, they're the authority at this point in time. They're the on-screen authority figures. And Triple H says, that was the best thing ever. Like, he's legitimately <laughs> loved that promo. And he says, we just had our SummerSlam main event fall right into our lap. It's the greatest thing ever. I know. The main event could drop right in our lap. SummerSlam is going to be epic. This is bigger than the first time they did it. Lesnar, Undertaker at SummerSlam. This is huge. It is. And Steph says, I'm going to go call marketing and get everything all set up. And <laughs> it's like a legit conversation they're having. Yeah. <laughs> all basically. <laughs> and uh, Triple H says, I'm going to go call Paul Heyman and tell him and Brock Lesnar to stay away from the building tonight. He wants to keep Undertaker and Lesnar separate until SummerSlam. So, again, later on, this is going to be a show-long angle. Uh, we see Triple H talking on his iPhone backstage with Heyman. And, again, he confirms. Right. It's already done. The main event at SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. And we don't hear Paul Heyman on the phone, but the way Triple H is talking, it makes it sound like uh, Heyman's not happy about Triple H insisting that Lesnar and he take the night off tonight. Later on, we see Rob Schamberger, who, if you don't know who that is, he's the guy, he makes all these really awesome paintings that WWE... Uh, licenses. They use them on a lot of their t-shirts. They sell them on their website. Um, I don't know exactly how to describe his art, but you would know it if you saw it. I mean, he makes a ton of stuff for them. It's great, man. He's a great artist. Yeah. Uh, You don't, I I would have no idea what he looks like, but I could tell from the artwork that he's showing Triple H. That's who it is. That's what he's showing off here. And they're impressed by it. And they ask him if he'll make some artwork for the main event of SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. And if you think I'm saying the main event of SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker a lot, it's because they say it over and over and over again tonight. It's yeah. like it, you could take a shot every time they say it and you'd be drunk by the end of the night. But that's it's also it's comical, but it's also great 
reinforcement. Like you know by the end of the show tonight what the main yeah. event of SummerSlam is and you're not going to forget it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, 5 weeks away and you still already know the main event of SummerSlam right yep. here. They so. they know exactly what they're doing. But uh Triple H gets interrupted in their art lesson from uh, Rob Schamberger as he sees Paul Heyman arriving into the building and storms over to him. Uh, Heyman he's, insists that Brock Lesnar has accepted the main event of SummerSlam. You, you gave my client Brock Lesnar the night off, and Brock Lesnar is not here tonight. He does accept the main event against The Undertaker for SummerSlam, but I'm just an advocate. But Brock Lesnar is not here tonight, and he's only here to offer a verbal response to what Undertaker said about him earlier. You know, he's got he's to have a rebuttal. It's like a debate. You have to have a rebuttal to what he's going to say, and Triple H allows it. But when Paul Heyman walks away, Stephanie says she doesn't trust Heyman as far as she can throw him, which Triple H has to get in his one-liner yeah. says, that's not too far. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I loved it. it he has to. It. The dad joke in me loves it. I love when Triple H is like that. It's amazing. <laughs> well, they both agree that they're going to need uh, extra security and about half the locker room to protect the main event of SummerSlam. Mm, mm. So we go to commercial. Yes. And come back, and Stephanie and Triple H are talking to about half the locker room. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guess which half it is, too. Yeah, the jobber half. <laughs> well, they say that they have a vested interest in protecting the epic main event of SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. <laughs> against the man who broke his streak at WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar. And <laughs> Triple H says they will not let these two destroy each other tonight. The main event of SummerSlam depends on it. Their livelihood depends on it. And he says, if our livelihood depends on it, then all of your livelihood depends on it to all the jobbers in there. And uh, they're not too happy about it, but Triple H says their strength in numbers and he says he's not asking them, he's telling them to keep Brock Lesnar and Undertaker apart tonight. So, again, you, you're kind of getting the idea of what's about to happen right, right here, which is fine. You know, it's basic sure. story time. You can foreshadow stuff uh, as long as it's good with the, when, when you get to the payoff. And it is. Because we go to the ring, Paul Heyman introduces himself. He talks about what happened at Battleground last night. Says Seth didn't win because he was better than Brock Lesnar. Uh, he won because uh because of the demonic resurrection of the undertaker Heyman says last night was historic because for the very first time since wrestlemania 30 the undertaker was face to face with the man who conquered his undefeated streak the undertaker um he says it's been 469 days since that happened and of course, it was his biggest accomplishment ever. Why would he not brag about it for every single day afterward? It was the biggest accomplishment of his career and Brock's career. But now Undertaker has stripped Brock Lesnar of the most important thing to him, and that is the WWE Championship, or the chance to be WWE Champion. So now they will face in, you guessed it, the main event of SummerSlam. <laughs> And since Undertaker wants to make things personal, Paul will do the same. And he starts repeating over and over again that his client, Brock Lesnar, defeated your undefeated streak at WrestleMania. And he says it over and over and over yeah. again, rubbing it in in that obnoxious Paul Heyman way. And then 
Oh, there's so many good lines in these Paul Hammond promos know, over the next few weeks. <laughs> I, I was about to say this is the line of the night, but God, there's so many of them tonight. But he says, You sold your soul to the devil to exact revenge on Brock Lesnar because my client, Brock Lesnar, conquered your undefeated streak at WrestleMania. You can sell your soul to the devil, but your ass belongs so good and it's like the paul Heyman, he's goading undertaker basically here because he knows that's gonna get the gong to happen after he says that but Heyman, and he looks like he just soiled his pants as the lights go out he's oh my god um undertaker comes out <laughs> Taker gets in the ring with Heyman and uh, he immediately just starts begging for mercy. I'm just an advocate. I'm just an advocate. Like on main event. Yeah, just like that yeah. last year. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then Brock Lesnar's music hits and brother, it is on from here. It's like a Jimmy John's delivery, dude. Woo! <laughs> Freaky yeah. fast. He comes out here. The announcers say, we're getting out of here because, like you said, they all got beat up the night after yeah, WrestleMania, <laughs> and which is they leave. And this whole segment goes down with no commentary, which honestly oh, it makes awesome. it even better because Lesnar uh, busts his way down to the ring, and he starts immediately throwing hands with Undertaker. Uh, Lesnar takes Undertaker down, hits some ground and pound. Undertaker reverses. Triple H, he brings out the cavalry, man. <laughs> <laughs> he no. leads a bunch of jabronis yeah. out to the ring <laughs> and uh, sends the security jobbers out there. Lesnar and Undertaker decimate security, and they charge back towards each other. Then Triple H brings out the actual roster jabronis. I'm talking the Ascension, primetime players, Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel, uh, all those Zack Ryder, Zach Ryder <laughs> all those guys coming out here. Uh, there's like 20 of them. And yeah. they split Lesnar and Undertaker apart into separate corners, pull them apart. Lesnar and Undertaker both have like 25 guys each trying yeah. to get them apart from each other, which just makes them look even more awesome and and tough and mm-hmm. strong and powerful. But Brock, he just slips out from out of the corner under the bottom rope and runs to the other side Genius. of the ring to get him some more of Undertaker. So they yeah. throw some hands some more. The mid-card crew separates them again. They start moving Lesnar toward the entryway. Lesnar escapes again, runs towards the Undertaker. Undertaker's punching anybody in his path. He yeah. nails the Ascension guys a couple times because they're closest to him. Uh, gives them some potatoes. And the crowd is chanting, this is awesome. And it's this it old is. school. It's perfect. It's great wrestling angle right here. Uh, this time, The Undertaker escapes from the people who are trying to hold him back. He comes after Brock. They have to get separated again. And Brock screams out, I will kill you, which is extreme. But Undertaker <laughs> yeah. responds. He, he's right there with him. He says, you're going to have to. I will kill you. And his eyes it. just get bug-eyed. And we finally cut the commercial break from this red-hot segment. Man, oh my goodness! That's how you go into a commercial because you know oh, it's yeah. not over, and you want to you want to stay for two and a half minutes to see how they're going to come back. It didn't wrap up with a tiny little bow. It is that package is 
almost open. You want to see what the rest of the package is. What's, oh, yeah. What's in that gift? We come back from commercial, and the mid-carters are trying to get Brock Lesnar out of the arena. But Undertaker comes back after him again. Yes. And they start brawling backstage, and they have to get pulled apart. Lesnar comes running again, screaming that he's going to kill the Undertaker. They get pulled apart. Undertaker comes running after him this time. They're both on the ground. They're just crawling, clawing at each other. And finally, the uh, the locker room and some police pull everybody apart. And uh, Lesnar is yelling at the police, don't touch me, don't touch me. And he rips his shirt off. You know, it's business time. He's, he's ready to keep going. And... It's finally the voice of reason, R-Truth, is the guy who's right next to Brock Lesnar saying, calm down, brother, calm down. Um, And Brock's like, all right, truth, (laughs) the truth shall set me free. Yeah. For some reason, R-Truth talks and sits to Brock Lesnar, (laughs) and he chills out. It's amazing. I love that guy. Uh, He's so good. The cops put some zip ties on Lesnar. Again, he keeps insisting that they don't touch him. Yeah, I guess they're out of handcuffs that would fit on his hands. I don't know, man. And they, yeah. they escort him out of here. And I tell you what, man, they went all in on this mm-hmm. night trying to sell you on the main event of SummerSlam. And it absolutely worked. They nailed it. The, they yeah. know how to book something awesome when they want to do it uh sure. i don't know why they don't do stuff like this more often because they know it works and it absolutely worked and you had two of the best of the best who could pull it off here and, and it made sense that it would take 30 guys to pull these apart especially with their history yeah. and they'll and their rivalry and this was just a flat out great pro wrestling angle man it, it oh, was yeah. probably my favorite thing we've done since the uh that some of the Triple H and Sean and Sean Undertaker stuff, yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was. I loved all this, man. I remember watching it that night. I was at the children's home, and uh, the kids were freaking out. Like, oh, they think it's real, you know? Like, oh, they're really like. It's, it was awesome, man. I loved it. And again, yeah. it um it reminded me of uh, whatever you want to call it the the Monday Night Wars, mm. the Attitude Era, when you just chaos ensued. And you could, like I said, you. You went to a commercial break with chaos. You wanted to know what was going to happen when you came back. Um, and if they put that much effort into every week or every other week, it'd be great. <laughs> but they don't, you know, anymore. But anyway, it was chaotic, I, and I loved it. I loved, like I said, the history built into these yeah. guys. It wasn't just two guys cold coming out there. It, was, it wasn't the start to a feud. A lot of times they'll do this to start a feud nowadays. No, this has years built into it, and it was boiling to a fever pitch, and it got over I didn't have cable back then. We were trying to save money on stuff. Uh, you know, we were newly married and not making a lot of money, so I didn't have cable. Uh, so I'd watch Raw on Hulu the next yeah. day, like the abbreviated version. But I remember this was blowing up on Twitter. I remember yeah. this, like the uh, the internet went crazy over this. It all went viral when this brawl happened. And I remember scrolling through Twitter that night, seeing everybody talking about it. And it is a super hot angle and it did exactly it what it was supposed to do. And again, it's five weeks until the SummerSlam. So it's like, they've already got you your money right here. You know, you this know, this is all is they the needed. Yeah. yeah, this is it. It's all they need. Honestly, we could skip right to the show and be fine. But, uh, um, what did? How many days did you say it had been since they? He said four sixty nine, I think. Okay, remember in the Attitude Era when they had the signs <laughs> in the crowd? Francine four six. Wait, think about no, think about uh, Brock Lesnar's wife. 
Oh, Sable? Yeah, remember those signs? <laughs> you used to see those? Yeah. Wow. Awesome 316 and Sable. Yeah. Woo! Sable <laughs> bomb! Exactly. <laughs> I just thought I'd bring that back. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's going to lead us to the next week of Raw. Um, Raw, <laughs> July 27th. Uh, we see just basically highlights from uh, Battleground and the... Uh, and last week, obviously, and then the authority tell us that the SummerSlam is going to be bigger than ever. It's going to be four hours on the WWE Network. So they really hype the main event. You know, if you guys don't know what that is, it's Brock versus The Undertaker. Oh, thank you. SummerSlam. And then we're also, it's advertised and we're told that Brock will actually be live and in person on Raw next week. So, again, those appearances were few and far between. I thought at the time, oh, they did all this in one night after Battleground. Because we weren't going to see Brock again. I really did. Because he was so used so sparingly because he cost so much money. But um, that's not the case. He's going to be there next week. But uh, I'd, I'd be sad or I'd be an idiot to fail to mention that uh, Roddy Piper actually passes away at the end of this week. Um, I think it was the 31st maybe of July. And I, I did fail to mention earlier uh, in June, I believe it was, uh, Dusty Rhodes passed away. So lost both those guys. We had lost the Ultimate Warrior, um, the two nights after WrestleMania the previous year, you know, like in 14. So it was uh, a lot of old timers, a lot of guys we grew up watching, uh, guys that feuded with the Undertaker or had interactions with him. You know, Roddy Piper didn't interact with him in a ring, but he, look at the size of that hammock. Yes. That's, that's Piper, you know. It's and, iconic. Look at the size of that hammock. Check out them drumsticks, baby. It's, it is. And, you know, on the network, they've been advertising for this 30 years of Taker thing. When they when they show that um, or on the commercials, they say, look at the size of that. And they cut off Hamlock. I know. <laughs> That's my favorite part. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we lost Dusty yeah, and Roddy man. back to back within like four or five weeks. New, I remember being like, I remember being really sad about those two oh, just because God. they were both icons. And especially with Dusty having such a hand in NXT. And um, at this point. I'm a humongous NXT fan. Sorry, Thomas Rodriguez. I know you hate NXT, but hope you still listen to us. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I loved it and seeing Dusty go and seeing Roddy go was really sad, man. That was a brutal series of yeah. wrestling deaths, man. And Ultimate Warriors is still the craziest. Mm-hmm. You know that night yeah. after he gives that emotional yeah. speech on Raw about foreshadowing his death. Yes. <laughs> And then Dusty, yeah, Dusty was probably the most heartbreaking. Uh, but then, I mean, Piper was it was it was devastating too. All, all three of those just icons, th- th- like you could say, three of the top ten most iconic sure. wrestling figures of the '80s and '90s, right there. Those three guys, mm-hmm. without question, unimpeachable. Um, such great promos, such great stuff, and yeah, at Dusty Rhodes, uh, and Taker's one of his first opponents. Uh, mm-hmm. at, at that Survivor Series 90, I uh, had those body bag matches and casket matches with Ultimate Warrior. So, yeah, yeah they're all, all three of those guys uh, had some uh, unique history with Undertaker. And, uh, very sad to see them gone and not have them here anymore. Yeah. We'll take us to the next next Raw there. Oh, okay. Sure. August 3rd. Uh, this one is going to open with a tribute to Roddy Piper, everybody up on the stage mourning his death and... Then Paul Heyman, later on in the night, he's going to come out and shows a video of that big brawl last week or two weeks ago. And Heyman says, that was not the same Undertaker we've seen for 25 years. This was an angry, vengeful, vindictive, desperate Undertaker. 
And why is that? Why? Because when confronted with the fact that he has never been able to beat my client, WWE's angry alpha dog becomes a submissive little bitch when he comes up against the beast incarnate to wit I offer nothing. Heyman, killing it He's week fire, after man. week. Such great lines here. And He's to not done. Yeah, to confirm this, uh, oh, I'm sorry. He, earlier in that, he showed a video of Battleground and showed Undertaker kicking uh, Brock in the Jimmy, and uh, then he shows a video of Undertaker <laughs> in the little, little Jimmy. Uh, Maybe that, that's why he listened to Hard Oh, Reason that could be it. <laughs> oh my word! I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, Lesnar uh, Heyman brings out Lesnar and. Lesnar's fired up, dude. He goes over to the stairs by the side of the ring and rips off the top half of him and tosses him yeah. in the ring. And he decides he's going to stand on top of these <laughs> stairs like he's a statue or so, or like he's in the Olympics or something. He just won the gold medal as Paul Heyman stands underneath him and, and showers praise upon him. But it's great. I mean, it's a great visual mm-hmm. here. Heyman says the last time WWE sanctioned a match between Brock and The Undertaker, The Undertaker left the show in an ambulance, spent a week in the hospital, and had to take a year off. It's all true. True. (laughs) Heyman says if the fans really want to peek behind the curtain, he tells them that The Undertaker begged Vince McMahon for a rematch at this year's WrestleMania. Which I, I have not heard that before. I don't know if he's shooting here. I don't know if he's making that up for the sake of the storyline. Because Undertaker, he doesn't really, he hasn't talked about that in any of these yeah. interviews or anything that he's given. Um, but it could be true. I'm not sure. It could be some truth to it. Uh, but Paul Heyman says, the Undertaker begs for nothing. That's how desperate he is. But Vince McMahon refused because he knew what would happen the next time Undertaker would fight Brock Lesnar. And that's why Undertaker took things into his own hands, costing Lesnar the title, forcing the WWE's hands, and making this rematch. So Paul says, since Vince wouldn't make it for WrestleMania, he says, at SummerSlam 2015, this will be the match that is too big for WrestleMania. There you go. Which is a nice uh, tagline for that. Uh, And at SummerSlam, his client, Brock Lesnar, will focus on the repeat of Eat, Sleep, Conquer, Repeat. Heyman guarantees he's going to take a trip to Suplex City. He starts getting fired up. He starts speaking in Latin. Yeah. I, I, I can't even cons- uh, or transcribe what he's saying, nope. but it's just, it sounds great. Uh, it could be nonsense for all we know. Uh, maybe St. Ridley Sandos can t- transcribe it for us or something, but he is just like preaching out there. Last time, you needed a year to recover. This time, you only last rights over your career. Brock Lesnar knows what a good promo that was because he jumps off the stairs and he's like shaking like he's got goosebumps on his arm. Yeah. He's got this huge <laughs> grin. He gives Heyman a high five, pulls him in for a hug. He's like legit hype oh, yeah. after that promo. And I was too, just watching it back. 
it was awesome, man. I I dug it, you know. I dug it real good. Like I said, he like I said earlier, he wasn't done that night. He was gonna lay it on thick there, and it was. Man, he's knocking homers every time he's on the mic here. Give him crap for what you will backstage, or he's a liar and he doesn't pay hmm. people. But he, when he's on the stick, he's nobody's better than Heyman. He's earning his paycheck, no question. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, that brings us to the next week's Raw uh, of August. 10th and we have a video package highlighting the Brock vs. Taker too big for Wrestlemania so again I like that they're tagging that as a tagline it makes you want to you know uh, it's good marketing Thank, good job Stephanie calling the marketing department yeah they were on it yeah. <laughs> so then we're going to have some uh, footage of Taker with like voiceovers from different wrestlers putting him over lots of highlights of the streak then we get we get highlights of uh, I think, think Stone Cold Big Show, John Cena, Kofi Kingston Ryback, The Miz, Natalia Booker T, Shawn Michaels, Roman Reigns, pretty much Everybody. all the main guys. Yeah. yeah, just hyping up the streak. And then then all of a sudden, uh, Paul Heyman interrupts. And he says that he's tired of hearing about the myth of The Undertaker. And he wants to talk about the myth of Brock Lesnar. Then we hear from Triple H and Ambrose and Orton and Rollins. They talk about how Lesnar's just unstoppable. And we see footage from the streak being broken at WrestleMania 30. And then uh, we cut to Randy Orton. He says that you, you, you should have seen cameras on the people backstage because you had the same reaction as the guys in the crowd because again as a shoot they didn't know so they were all probably shocked as well so um and uh austin says that you know he thought it would never happen he still can't believe it did happen um we fast forward to battleground which again i hate that they completely skip over wrestlemania 31 but they fast forward to battleground and uh uh yeah. Ambrose says that the second that Taker showed up there, you knew something was happening. You knew he was coming for revenge. And Roman Reigns says that low blow that Taker gave was symbolic of how far he's willing to take things to get revenge. So um, they're putting over how he's he's a different competitor than he was at WrestleMania 30. And we see the, the pull apart from a few weeks ago and hear different people highlighting who they think is going to win. I think uh, Big Show and Rollins pick Lesnar to win. JBL picks his boy Undertaker. Uh, Stone Cold says it's a must win for Undertaker, so you know, he has to win this. Um, but just really putting both guys over huge um, as the main event of you know SummerSlam going forward. So really, really cool stuff. I, I enjoyed it. Well, then later on that night, we get something very unique on the WWE Network. They do a special called SummerSlam Reckoning the Phenom versus the Beast. It, it airs immediately after Raw, and it's basically that video that you just talked about travis it's like a 20 minute version of that yeah so it's a lot it's all the same talking heads all the same interviews but it's an extended walk through uh the rivalry over the past year uh between undertaker and lesnar so it starts off with wrestlemania 30 um which big show says it was like the day the music died uh which mm. I, I like that quote on yeah. there and uh, Seth Rollins says the match was uncomfortable and disturbing to watch and uh, we do get to see some really cool alternate camera angles yep. of the match and of the crowd there's actually if you go on YouTube uh, it, it may be on the network too but they have a um, I think it's called the director's cut yeah, of this match oh, okay yeah so it's like a, a cinematic version of this with all sorts of different angles and stuff uh, it was, it's neat to watch if you've never seen that uh, and if you if you can stand to watch the match again, <laughs> right? Uh, Stone Cold said it is it was just a holy bleep, you know what moment when when that happened, and then they move on to talking about what happened afterward. JBL says he didn't know if we'd ever see Undertaker again after that, and we get some of that 
backstage footage of Vince asking for help for medical assistance for the Undertaker after he collapses backstage. And then they spend some time talking about Brock's dominance over the past year and a half since he broke the streak. Uh, Stone Cold says he's a Frankenstein. He's only missing the two bolts in his neck, uh, which great. <laughs> great. I love that. Thanks, Stone Cold. Uh, we see Lesnar dominating John Cena and Seth Rollins. Uh, Dean Ambrose calls him King Kong, so they can't decide which monster he's going to be here. Uh, exactly. Then they, you know, talk about the the low blow and how Stone Cold and Paul Heyman says they'd never seen any Undertaker do anything like that. It shows just how desperate Undertaker is. And um, Paul Heyman closes out the show saying, if you want to see the Undertaker in action, your last chance is at SummerSlam because he will be victimized and conquered yet again. This was not a must-see. You know, you don't need to go out of your way and watch this if you've never seen it before. But at the time, you know, to, to get you hyped up for the pay-per-view, it's a great use of the WWE yeah. Network. It's just... It, Easy stuff to throw up on there. Uh, it makes this match feel special. It sets it apart. And it just shows you how big they were hyping this match up at the time. So uh, I enjoyed going back and watching it. It's cool um, for that purpose. Uh, but it's definitely not must-see or anything. I mean, it's stuff like that they can use the network for more, you know. And they take advantage of it from now or every now and again. But, uh, yeah, good stuff there. But that's going to lead us to the go-home Raw for SummerSlam, uh, August 17th. So, this is the last Raw before the show, and the Authority hype the pay-per-view and say that Taker and Brock will both be at Raw tonight. And then we get a backstage vignette with Taker and the purple lights, and uh, there's Latin Chen playing, and he says that when the Reaper calls your name, there is no apology. When the Reaper calls your name, there is no remorse. When the Reaper calls your name, it's just over. Lesnar, the hounds of hell are baying for your soul. And the gates of hell are opening and welcoming you to your eternal damnation. Brock Lesnar, your name has been called. And at SummerSlam, you will never rest in peace. So, uh, he's never going to rest in peace. I guess it's going to be a little more than rest in peace. So, he's going to go above and beyond. So, mm. I just wanted to hear, don't fear the Reaper right there. Or what if Hamid comes out and says, you know what? Guess what? We don't fear the Reaper. Yeah. <laughs> Hamid comes out with a cowbell. Cowbell, yes. <laughs> Small, tiny t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But... <laughs> Well, this night is actually in Minneapolis. So I wonder if, uh, Turco, were you there? Ooh. Randy? Or not? Who knows? Were you there with the Golden Gophers? But uh, anyway, this is Brock's homecoming. So uh, so actually the main event segment is basically a homecoming for Brock and putting over the, the main event of SummerSlam, which is The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, if you guys haven't been paying attention. Thank you. So, yeah, no problem, man. Well, um, Heyman comes over or comes out, and we get confetti, and it's – the huge reaction from the crowd. They're all, they're pro Brock. There's so many signs in the audience this night. It is like a throwback to 1998. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Just signs everywhere. Um, again, Heyman puts over Lesnar saying he won the WWE undisputed title from the biggest box office attraction in Hollywood. Currently he won the UFC title from the most celebrated man in UFC history. 
and he won an NCAA championship from the University of Minnesota, which again, just he's a baby face of all baby faces right now. I mean, it's just yes, that's it's great. That's yeah. what we're talking about at the beginning of the show. He is. Uh, it's it's such an interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. again, Taker is low blowing people and mm-hmm. stuff, and it's going to get a little more heelish here, and but before you know, before the end of this night, so. Brock comes out, standing ovation, like I said, um, suplex city chance, huge suplex city chance. And he's he looks like he's enjoying it, honestly. Brock is like, I mean, he's not a very emotional guy, but he, he looks like he's actually enjoying it. And then Heyman gets down on his knee and starts singing the Battle Hymn of the Republic, but he changes the lyrics to... That is not the last time we'll hear that from the walrus. Or the Where did that tonight. come from? <laughs> I don't know. It's great, it's that, though. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Is that like uh, U of M's uh, fight song or something? Do they use Battle of the Republic? I mean, I don't know. You um, know, I don't know. but I mean, Because Georgia it, it does. It must we, be something like that. Yeah, I know Georgia does. We use that for uh, Glory Glory Told Georgia's. I wonder if the Gophers use that. So, I don't know. I don't care. I don't need the explanation. It was amazing. I just... It was great to hear him sing that. And then uh, Gong hits, the lights go out, and the lights come back on, and Heyman has bolted out of the ring. He's on the apron, but there's nobody in the ring. We're brought Lester. He starts looking around, then he smiles and goes to Paul and kind of whispers something, and they start smiling and laughing. And Heyman's like, or excuse me, at that point, as much as Suplex City chants, and then Paul asks, he's like, is that the best you got? Some Jedi mind tricks? Well, looky here, Obi-Wan. You can get God and the devil to team up with you, and Brock Lesnar will take all three of you to Suplex City, which I was just like, yike, a roni and cheese. You can't say that, but but that's one way to put Lesnar on another level, you know, right. making threats like that. So um, Paul says that ever since the ref's hand hit three at WrestleMania, Taker has, been, has dreamt of getting revenge, and he finally made his move at Battleground. He looked Brock in the eye, and he went for the low blow. Why is that? You know, the Phenom went for the low blow because he would never go from conquered to conquer. He knew he would never go from conquered to conqueror. Heyman says Taker has not ever, not once ever beaten Brock Lesnar, which is true in singles competition. Uh, they shared some, traded some wins back on SmackDown, I think it was, and some six-mans or something back in 2003. Sure. I think yeah. Taker's pinned him in some tag matches. But, yeah, it's one-on-one on pay-per-view. Taker's never beaten Brock, which we mentioned that a long time ago and saying, man, how cool is that? So um, anyway, he says that, you know, at Sunday he still won't 
have beaten Brock Lesnar. He fears Brock, and Brock isn't taking Taker lightly, though. He says, you know, you were in great shape the other day when, you know, you guys interacted, and he says, you know, that's great and all, but you're fighting a beast on Sunday. And this Sunday, Brock Lesnar offers no respect to your accomplishments, no recognition of your title reign, no recognition of your 25 years, no resurrection, no retribution. He offers, and then he gets cut off, which... um it's not the retribution symbol that pops up, though. It's Thank Undertaker's <laughs> T-Bar is out there. No, <laughs> the gong hits, the lights go out, and this time the lights come back up. And it's not a mind trick. It is the real deal. The Undertaker is in the ring with Brock, and he immediately, immediately kicks him in the Jimmy John. And just <laughs> the crowd just boo all over him, man, all over him. And... As they should be. That's their hometown boy, you know. And uh, Taker goozles Brock, choke slams him real big, real hard, man. And uh, goes to leave, then kind of whips his head around, hits a throat slash again. It's a tombstone right there in the middle of the ring, and just huge boos from Minnesota, man. Huge, huge boos. And uh, I think, in, from what I can recall, that's probably the first time since 2004 when he came back that he was just avidly booed like that you know yeah, i mean he's yeah. been a baby face and he's still technically a baby face here he's just having some heelish tendencies you know and i look at this feud um it's, it reminds me of the attitude era where you know vince russo talks a lot about there's not black and white or shades of gray i mean look at austin's character he was a heel but he got over but even like you know vince russo always talks about you know real guys sometimes they're good guys but they do bad things to get over. That's why shows like The Walking Dead or Breaking Bad or whatever, like, they're so popular because it's more realistic than just, you know, the A-team or Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was always great. He never did anything bad. Or John, that's why people crap on John Cena because he's a Superman. He never did anything bad, you know? Um, it's why I like Batman more than Superman. He's a real-ish guy, you know, that does bad things sometimes. But anyway, this is Taker kind of being that shades of gray, you know, and I didn't mean to get all Russo-ish here, but I'm just saying, like, I like it because he's not a full-blown heel. He he didn't just, like, you know, Steve Austin turn heel and suddenly started becoming a chicken, you know, from everything. But, like, Taker's just, he's desperate for that win back. So I kind of like that here. And then Taker does a Shakespeare pose, and um, that's it. He walks up the, up the ramp as Brock starts to kind of stir in the ring and looks up at Taker, and Taker, you know, looks over his shoulder at him and then raises his fist as we go off the air. That's going to take us into to SummerSlam here. Yeah, I really liked it too. It, like you said, Russo-esque is it, sort of similar to to Stone Cold and the Heart Foundation and how, exactly. you know, yeah, depending on what city you're in, depending mm-hmm. on who would cheer for who. And, and this is a different version of that. And it's, yeah. you know, it, they're really letting the fans decide who the heel mm-hmm. is and who, who the baby face is. And the, there's not a clear cut answer. You just kind of cheer for who you want to cheer for, uh, whichever mm-hmm. guy you like more. And, and uh, But it works for both these guys. It doesn't always work uh, right. when they try to do stuff like that. But these guys have su- such a reputation and such history behind them that they can pull that off. And, you know, the story of Undertaker He's the Undertaker. He's the guy you've loved for 25 years, but he's older. He's desperate. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got to mm-hmm. resort to being the uh, the dirtiest player in the game a little bit. He's sort of like a, almost like a Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. cowboy kind of character. He's just, you know, he's not quite washed up, but he but he's got to. He might have to play a little bit dirty uh, to get yeah. the job done. But you still love him. 
despite all that. Um, exactly. So yeah, SummerSlam 2015, August 23rd, 2015 is. This isn't the first one. I don't think they've been doing from Brooklyn. Or I think I think or it is, is it okay yeah. yeah okay I think this is the first one in the Barclays um, okay because I remember the night before because we haven't next... covered SummerSlam much so I, I don't right. remember which one was I'm pretty sure this was the first one in Barclays Center um, I know this is the first NXT takeover away from Full Sail was the night before and that that's one of my favorite NXT I know we're not gonna talk about that but I'm just saying that's go out of your way to watch that one <laughs> it was great Jushin Liger freaking a man on the show. <laughs> Bailey, Bailey and Sasha, Sasha Banks. still the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finn and Kevin Owens and Ladder Match. Oh it was yeah, great. that was great. I very much enjoyed watching that one. <laughs> yeah, back in the anyway. day. Watched this one back in the day. Uh, I know both of us did. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, I got a gift card from WWE for being like a, a day one subscriber from WWE Network around this time. And so was I. Yeah. Was you didn't card. get one? Oh, no. man. Sorry, I was dude. down since day one-ish. Yeah. What the heck? I got a, a Mega Powers shirt for me. I got a John Cena shirt for the wife. And uh, we have some pictures of us and our dog uh, watching nice. this SummerSlam show. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, Brie Bella faced... Uh, Charlotte, maybe on the show, is that right? Or Nikki Bella, one of the Bellas, something. That was that was the match Kate was into. Oh, uh, <laughs> the total divas. The total divas match. Probably Nikki. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it might have been. But um, yeah, this was a fun show. Uh, it's fun to watch it back here. Um, you watched it too, right? Yeah, we watched it at the children's home with the boys. A lot of them was their first SummerSlam experience. So again, I'm. Bringing all sorts of wrestling into their life, uh, it was it was great to watch this. They didn't get to watch the whole thing, but we finished it the next day. So, but man, I love that you know, world renowned WWE super fan John Stewart opens the show. Just dude, this I was mean, like weeks after he left true. the Daily Show. This is literally the first appearance mm-hmm. John Stewart made since he retired from the Daily Show, which. I mean, John Stewart's kind of been MIA, you know, sort of. He hasn't really done anything big since leaving The Daily Show, but The Daily Show was a huge deal. Huge, and, like, man. John Stewart was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, a serious, important entertainment figure. So to have him, his first thing, very first thing he does is go yeah. to SummerSlam was wild uh, back in the day. I, I love that's how he wants to spend his retirement. Grow his beard yes. out and go to SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> he's, his kid loves wrestling, apparently, and I guess he was allegedly a fan. But um, yeah, it was it was great. But not only is he a fan, he is an Undertaker fan. We come That's to find right, out on this night. So yeah, he's hyping up all the, the show, and he I think he pretty much nails all the matches, you know, from memory, which is good. But he says, you know, he he basically ends it saying, you know, the Brock you know, brought Lesnar and Undertaker and facing off the main event. So he says, you know, I'm still mad from Brock defeating the streak. So. I came here tonight to give him peace of my mind, and I know I need backup though. So he, I made a made a phone call and brought somebody here. So Mick Foley comes out. So Mick Foley comes and uh, he comes oh, looking big, out of shape and bad. <laughs> before he got back in shape with DDP Yoga, so he's not going to give him too much help. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So and Mick Foley kind of jokes. He's like, you know, I may not have, I must not heard that B consonant sound when you said Brock. I thought you said Rock. So I thought you wanted me to interview The Rock. So of course yeah, he said he had did. he said he had the phone yeah. up to his, uh, <laughs> to his missing ear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his missing ear. 
So, uh, which is great. This is this is just placating to the New York crowd. It's it is great though. It's fine. I'm cool with it. But um, Foley's like, no, I'm terrified of Brock Lesnar. Like, I'm not going to help you. So, and then John Stewart's like, well, since you're not going to help me, let's get on with the show. So it's just like, <laughs> all right. It was like um, a SNL skit that didn't yeah, have an ending. They were just like, all basically. right, live from New York. Yeah. It's SummerSlam. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's not going to be the end of of John Stewart. Uh, we're going to no. see him with Neville. Backstage and your boy Travis, star of Arrow, Stephen yeah. Amell, man. Yeah, all you the queen himself, man. Every episode of that. Absolutely, I had the boys and the children's home watching it too, man. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we would stay up on Friday and Saturday nights watching Arrow, so it was great, man. I, I, this was a big deal for me, you know. I was a big Arrow yeah. fan because uh, basically season one is basically Batman. But anyway, uh, he did good yeah, on this night. I I had no idea did. who he was. I've never watched an episode of it, but. Uh, I, I, I couldn't care show. less about him, but he did he's, good. He's a fan. You know, he's really legit friends with Cody Rhodes. You know, um, he's done stuff. Well, Cody has been on Arrow several times. Goldberg's been on Arrow uh, before. Um, and then Stephen Amell wrestled a Ring of Honor show a couple of years ago and wrestled at All Out, I think, didn't he, two years ago? So, yeah, he's still continued. He's been on Raw or something since then, too. So, big fan. and uh, But he's one of the fans that can actually – go in the ring he's actually an athlete so he looks good well he's but backstage I like this interaction right here it's yeah great. he's talking to john stewart and john stewart's son and john is bragging about his friendship with the undertaker he's like yeah you know taker will call me sometimes and ask if these caskets are spooky enough to use <laughs> well i have no idea what he's saying here uh but then the lights kind of dim in their backstage area we see some smoke and undertaker just strolls by he doesn't pay them any mind he just i don't know where he's going to catering or something i guess (laughs) gets a sandwich uh and just walks right by these guys and they're all just kind of like they watch him walk by and then they just kind of like shiver afterward Mm -hmm. and go back to talking and stewart asks for neville and uh (laughs) steven's autograph on his son's uh white (laughs) t-shirt that's it don't make it just just write your name just yeah. it's gonna sell it on ebay i guess yeah, great. well then later it on, sort of reminded know. me of like uh leslie nielsen stuff oh, yeah. like back yeah. summer slam 94 just yeah. silly goofy stuff i didn't mind this part I'm not a huge fan of what he does later but i didn't mind this part of john stewart's interaction so oh you didn't um, like him getting involved in the world championship match not really not really <laughs> um but he, he's going to knock on Lesnar's door later, and uh, Heyman comes out, and they shake hands, and John's like, may I have a word with Mr. Lesnar? And Heyman's like, uh, no. And he's and John's like, well, why? Is it because I'm an Undertaker guy? And uh, Heyman's like, well, what what happened when your guy fought my beast? And John's like, yeah, you're pretty happy about that, right? Uh, the victory. You know who wasn't happy about that? Wrestling fans. See, that's what I am. I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. And the Undertaker had perfection. He had a streak that hadn't been seen at 21 and 0. You know who people remember? Joe DiMaggio. His streak. You know who they don't remember? The guy who ended that streak. So let me ask you something. When you watched WrestleMania, were you happy to see the fans' faces, the disappointment, and the sadness of those people who paid good money to come out and see perfection? But there you are every week as the advocate rubbing salt. Salt in the wound of every wrestling fan everywhere. They came out to WrestleMania that day hoping to see magic, perfection. It was Christmas morning. They had that present. They opened it up, and they didn't get a puppy. You know what they got? You know what you gave them? You and your, the guy with the head and the shoulders and the 
dagger on the chest. You know what you gave them? Coal. Are you happy about that? What do you have to say about that? So it was just like, like yeah, it's pretty dirty. That so. would have been fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Only if Jerry Lawler would have interacted with him. So. Oh yes. <laughs> oh man. Well, all of that happens, and uh, like like we just alluded to, John Stewart ends up interfering in the WWE Championship match, which is a wild thing to say. Um, but this, of course, is the main event of SummerSlam, as has been hammered into us. What's the main Not event? The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Oh, no title, <laughs> but it's bigger than the title. The match bigger than WrestleMania. Uh, we get that video package. That's you know all the stuff we've seen before. Here for the main event, we got Michael Cole, Jerry the King Lawler, and John Bradshaw Layfield on commentary. Brock's going to make his way out first, and he is hyped up. He's ready to go. Uh, he's jumping up and down. And the announcers point out that Brock has not been pinned or submitted since WrestleMania 29 against Triple H, uh, which is over two years ago. Which, uh, I mean, it's impressive, but he's only had like five matches since then. So it's not <laughs> that impressive, but uh, it's still the truth kid in the way of a good story. It's still yeah. a big deal. <laughs> it, is, it is cool, man. It is cool, and again, as Brock's coming out, like I said, JBL's hyping all of his accolades, and um, Brock comes out and he's pacing and waiting in the ring, and you know, not intimidated because he's Brock Lesnar. He's he's gone down this road before, and he's beat Undertaker, and of course, Taker makes him wait a little bit until we hear the gong. The lights go out, Taker's music hits, and he comes out through the smoke and the flames. And um, tell you what, it wasn't an initial pop; like it was, it gets real big once the silhouette of Undertaker actually comes walking through the smoke, and he's right. got that classic gear like he had at WrestleMania 31, um, those leather pants and the, kind of the the singlet top and the, the leather jacket. So um, just looking looking all gunslingery, as JBL likes to say, the gunslinger. So when he, when he well, once he walks out through that smoke and fire, though, this. The Barclays just goes nuts, man. They just there's something about this guy you just you can't get enough of. The announcers make a really good point, saying that um, the Undertaker has never defeated Lesnar, but he no longer has the streak. So now he's fighting with nothing left to lose. So that's True. where he's coming from on this night, which I like that point. Mm -hmm. We get a fantastic camera shot again. Kudos oh, yeah. to the camera crew of Taker raising the lights. And, you know, we're kind of far off from it, so we see the flames going off behind him up on the stage. Just a really cool visual there. And we don't get the full Undertaker entrance because Brock Lesnar comes rolling in straight after Taker before he yeah. can even get his jacket and his hat off. And before the bell even rings, he starts unloading on Taker. Uh, but Undertaker gets up, he gets some shots of his own, hits a big boot, and then clotheslines Lesnar out of the ring as we're getting started hot here. I love this opening, man. It's just, again, it reminded me of 1997, 1998, 99, just Austin and Taker stuff, just attacking each other. And again, it's personal. This is a personal thing. You, you're you not waiting for their, 
you know, the ref to say, are you ready? Are you ready? No, Brock's like, let's go. But he also kind of puts himself in that heel position here by doing that initially first, too. I mean, he's still, there's no clear-cut heel babyface, but you know Taker's going to get cheered like a maniac because he's Taker. And so Brock kind of puts himself in the heel persona right there doing that. But, yeah, Taker, like you said, clotheslines him over the top and just removes his jacket and is just like, let's go. And then commentary <laughs> keep talking like, this is a different Undertaker tonight that we've got in the ring, folks. Well, Lesnar, he takes his time getting back in the ring, but he does finally get in there. Charles Robinson rings the bell, and Lesnar comes running straight at Undertaker again. He gets a takedown, yeah. uh, UFC style. He goes for a pin, but Undertaker sort of elbows his way out from out of the bottom, and he stuns Lesnar a little bit, rocks him a little bit. And the crowd here, they're chanting pretty loudly for Undertaker in the Barclays Center. Uh, but then some others start chanting Suplex City. Uh, at this point, I'd say it's about like 70-30 Undertaker-wise. But that is going to change throughout the match. Mm-hmm. And Taker's going to immediately start working the left arm. Goes up for old school. But, of course, dude, you got the beast in there. With you. you can't hit it that early. So Lesnar pulls him off into an F5 position. But Taker slips down and goozles him. But Lesnar knees out of that and backs Taker into the corner. Starts shouldering him in the corner like only Brock Lesnar can do. Taker's going to boot out of it, and then uh, Lesnar's going to hit an overhead belly-to-belly suplex on Taker, which, again, he's going to hit an overhead belly-to-belly suplex (laughs) on The Undertaker. And this guy is how old at this point? I mean, 50, you know, and he just tosses him over, tosses a 50-year-old man over his head, and then Heyman goes, now we go! Because, again, that's number one of suplexes. But um, this match is probably the match that they wanted at WrestleMania. This is Taker redeeming himself. He's showing, I can take suplexes and not get knocked out. I'm not going to get my bell rung. And just starting it off with that overhead belly to belly. Again, that is impressive, A, for Brock to do, B, for Taker to be on the receiving end of, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like here. This is the comeback Damn. story. Uh, but we got to wait a little bit for that as Undertaker... He travels to Suplex City. He's got that first class mm-hmm. ticket as Lesnar hits a German suplex. And Undertaker sells it huge. Uh, and Brock goes for a second German suplex. But Undertaker's able to drop down to his knees. And he kind of scurries on his knees and pulls Lesnar into the turnbuckle. I love and that. I, that was a I nice, yeah. nice counter. Undertaker gets up. He hits snake eyes, big boot, sends Lesnar out of the ring. Uh, he rams Brock into the barricade on the outside and then into the other side of the ring, sets him up for the le- apron leg drop. And uh, the, he's got Brock's got a little blood on his mm-hmm. face. He's kind of like uh, from a weary shot from Undertaker. So that's going to add to things here. And the crowd is just loving it, man. We're getting Undertaker's greatest hits here. They're applauding him. And JBL points out that this is Undertaker's first non-WrestleMania appearance since 2010. And Michael Cole tells us it is the Undertaker's 16th SummerSlam appearance, which is wild. Um, And that Undertaker has more SummerSlam wins than anybody in history. So uh, I'll have some more stats on that at the end of the episode. I did some uh, math on some stuff. Yeah, and this is Taker's first SummerSlam since 08. And JBL is also... He's loving this comeback right here. He's loving all this stuff because he says this is the Undertaker from the late 90s everyone was afraid of. Like, this is the one that instilled fear in everybody. So I love how much he's getting into it as well. They're going to trade punches back and forth, and Taker's going to goozle Brock, and Lesnar slips out and hits a German suplex. 
it's one more. And of course, the crowd's chanting, counting up with him every time, you know. Uh, Taker's going to pull himself up slowly. Brock is waiting for him, which again, we've talked about in the past. I know you mentioned a few weeks ago how seeing somebody like wait for the guy to get up for their finisher is like so lame sometimes. Like, just hit it. If it was real, you're going to hit it and then go for it. But like, there's something about seeing Lesnar wait because he knows. He's in control. He's going to instill more. It's like a, yeah. you know, like like a lion just picking at you know a, like a, you know a, a wounded gazelle or something. Just like watching it struggle while he's going to go in for more. Like it's, he just defies everything. Like all you know uh, logic here, and just like it, it's just great to see him do. It. He's the one guy that can get away with it. So he's just waiting, waiting, and Lesnar's going to hit another German suplexes, and then. Uh, Lesnar's just kind of bouncing around the ring, you know, taunting and just kind of starts laughing at Undertaker just while he's he's kind of smirking at himself like this is easy, you know. Undertaker wisely slides out of the ring at this point mm-hmm. to take a little breather. Uh, the crowd has got the dueling chance again, Undertaker, Suplex City, and uh, I'd say it's about 50-50 at this point. The mm-hmm. crowd is, is really torn between both these guys. Uh, Brock starts tearing apart the announce table, but Undertaker catches him. And he's going to go for a last ride on Brock through the table, but Brock gets out of it, turns it into an F5 through the announce table. Undertaker lands sideways with his ribs like right on the edge of the table. Pretty ugly looking here, uh, but the crowd is telling us that this is awesome. Mm -hmm. They love it, man. They love it. Brock slides in the ring, and yeah, it's that rib looked rough when it hit the side of that table, man. So... Charles Robinson's counting the, the count out and Taker does what he does best, man. He makes it in at the last second. And uh, Brock's face is kind of bloody at this point because he sweats like a banshee and there's just sweat and blood rolling all over his face. And uh, Brock's waiting in the ring and he says, I'll kill you, you SOB. Come on. He's just taunting Taker and Taker's struggling to get up and this uh, Brock's standing there and then Taker kind of pulls himself up almost in a, in a callback to his matches with Sean and, and Triple H. He's kind of on his knees, and he looks yeah. up and says, well, you're going to have to. And I just I loved that, um, to me, that parallel between where he was in the Sean and, and Taker position, or Sean and Triple H position there. Yeah, I like that too, man. That's a great uh, great point. I wouldn't have thought of that here. Um, but he stands up, and he hits a huge <laughs> choke slam on Brock. Brock gets up for it, man, and he bounces around, selling it like crazy. Crowd's it was going like one of those nuts. Pat Patterson ones that he used it to was, back in the dude. 90s. It was so good. Undertaker gets up, and he connects with a tombstone on Brock. Uh, classic cover, but as you can imagine, Brock's going to kick out of that one. And then we get just the most iconic moment out of this mm-hmm. match. Uh, it's been in a million GIFs and memes ever since then. Lesnar sits up, and he starts laughing in the Undertaker's face. But then the Undertaker sits up right next to him, and he starts mocking Lesnar, laughing at him, and then hits an uppercut <laughs> on Lesnar while they're sitting on the ground. Iconic, oh, hilarious so moment. It's so good. And I actually watched a YouTube video today from a couple weeks ago when they were promoting that Battleground game or whatever, and Taker was doing media rounds, you know. he was. Uh, they were showing him like iconic images from his career, and this is one they showed, and he was like, you know, that one – you know, you don't see me laugh a lot, he said. So that wasn't the Undertaker laughing. It was the Undertaker, not laughing, haha. It was the Undertaker basically 
trying to tick off Brock Lesnar by yeah. mocking him. You know, so like I mean, you just said that, but I'm just saying, like hearing it from Mark Calloway say yeah. that was kind of cool to, to you know, that that is what we got from it, and it was kind of neat. He's like, you know, that was something that's obviously stood the test of time in the last five years, and people love it. And he said, and that's what we wanted. That was a moment that we planned for people to to have. And he said, you know, we didn't really know where we're going to go from there, but like <laughs> we just started slugging away and the crowd just, dude, they eat this up. These guys start going at it, just slugging away on their knees, rolling around. And then Brock's going to wind up, uh, kind of shoulder and take her into the corner and standing on the middle rope and locking taker in the Kimura lock, hmm. uh, with takers back into turnbuckle, which I, my only problem with this was what JBL actually says. He's like, break the hold, you idiot, talking to Charles Robinson. He's like, he's on the ropes, you know? Like, I don't, but again, it is Brock Lesnar, so it's hard to enforce the rules <laughs> to somebody who can crush your larynx, you know? So. Well, Undertaker enforces his rules here. And, yeah. And, and the rule is if you get on the turnbuckle with Undertaker, yes. he's going to last ride you coming out of it. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens here. Gets a pop out of the crowd like it always does, mm -hmm. uh, but it only gets a two count. Uh, both guys really selling here. They they struggle getting up to their feet. But Lesnar hoists Undertaker up. He hits an F5, and Undertaker's going to kick out a two from out of that. Uh, Brock takes his time. He's wondering what to do next. He decides he's going to go for a third F5. And that is exactly what finished The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33 yeah. F5s. So, the, so Lesnar goes for a cover. And The Undertaker kicks out of a third F5. Oh, my goodness. It was crazy, man. I remember I, was, I could not believe it when I watched it because, again, that's what put him away at WrestleMania. So you assume that's the end of it here. And I'm even Heyman, I mean, I know he's he knows what's happening, but his character, he's, he's just silent on the outside. He can't believe that that just happened. You know, he's just dumbfounded because he knows, like we do, that's what put him away at WrestleMania. So what's going to happen next? Brock does not know what to do here. Undertaker kind of seems like he's got nothing left, and he's coughing in pain, and Brock is going over towards him to figure out what to do. But Undertaker has suckered Brock Lesnar in. He cinches in the Hell's Gate. He's trapped him in it right in the center of the ring, but he doesn't quite have it all the way in because Brock is able to wrestle out, and he locks in that Kimura lock right there in the center of the ring this time. Yeah, and Taker kind of slides up a little bit, trying to get some leverage, and Brock's shoulders go down. So Charles Robinson is jumps around the other side of where they are and positions himself, and he's going to go make the count. He's put, hits his hand to the mat one time, and then suddenly we hear the timekeeper ring the bell. It's just like ding, 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 ding. And so Charles Robinson gets up and goes over and is like fussing and the timekeeper, like, what are you doing? I didn't call for the bell. What you know? What's going on? Like Tom Key was like big league him, I guess I don't know. But and then Paul Heyman's up there on the apron. He's like, you, the under, he tapped out. He tapped out. He tapped out. So Brock is posing because he thinks he won, and uh, all of a sudden we see from behind with all this distraction, Taker's going to hit a tremendous Death Valley blow right in the Jimmy John from behind. <laughs> As the extra foot long right there, right in the <laughs> extra cheese, extra pickles, extra mayonnaise. Undertaker locks in the Hell's Gate on Brock Lesnar again right here. And that low blow took everything out of Brock. Because uh, mm -hmm. he starts fading. But 
Brock Lesnar goes out like he can, only he can go out, and he gives Undertaker the middle finger while he passes out from the Hell's Gate. He falls out. Charles Robinson calls for the bell, and the Undertaker has defeated Brock Lesnar for the first time ever in singles competition via referee stoppage. So obviously, extremely controversial, confusing ending here. As Undertaker, he is exhausted. He's out of it. But he got the desperate win. And Charles Robinson raises his hand. And the announcers start saying it. They start explaining things to us. Mm -hmm. That the timekeeper saw Undertaker tap out. And that's why he rang the bell. But, as the announcers point out, that's not his job. His job is to go off the ref's call. And he got ahead of himself ringing the bell. Exactly. Yeah, JBL is the most mad about it. You know, he's like, it's not his call at all, you know. And Paul Heyman's arguing with Charles Robinson. His taker kind of poses and kind of gets out of dodge pretty quick here. He doesn't really yeah, soak in. He doesn't really soak in the win here because he knows what just happened. He knows what happened. So um, Brock finally comes to in the ring and gets up from, you know, passing out. And then at this point, we're going to see a replay of where Brock has Taker in the Kimura. And we do, in fact, for... The first time ever see yeah. Bro- see The Undertaker tap out. He's tapping on Brock's leg. You actually see it, and you see it in slow motion again. And uh, JBL says that the unthinkable just happened. The Undertaker tapped. First time in 25 years yeah. we've ever seen that. But it's not official because he didn't actually didn't actually lose that way, so it doesn't count as an official submission or tap out. Right. Undertaker's music is playing, and Paul Heyman, he will not let it go. He gets in the ring. Or excuse me, he gets out of the ring and goes over to the timekeeper's yeah. area and start, starts ringing the bell, man, over and over again, and starts screaming, no, 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 no. I saw it. All of you saw it. We all saw it. Your winner by tap-out submission, the Beast, the Conqueror, Brock Lesnar. So he raises Brock Lesnar's hand. Brock Lesnar's music plays. He stands victorious as the show goes off the air. And you're left wondering, where do we go from here? Obviously, uh, controversy. Obviously, the story is not done yet. Uh, there's going to be more to this. Uh, but I, I liked it, man. I liked the controversy. I thought it was a very creative way to extend this feud and this rivalry to another match. And I thought it was... A really fun match, especially yeah. considering the letdown of WrestleMania 30. Uh, Taker and Lesnar both brought it, and Taker was looking a lot better than he looked. Uh, even against, uh, I think he looked better than he did at WrestleMania 31. Even, uh, and they, and they mm-hmm. had a, they had a really hot crowd helping them out too. Oh yeah, that's all of it was just I I dug it, man. I I know people were confused and people on Twitter negative about so much stuff, but it's just like, dude. They were going to prolong this, get another one out of it. It's great, you know, and, you know, Taker was acting kind of heelish. He took the, the – he tapped out, but he wound up, you know, taking advantage of the, the issue there and then, uh, you know, uh, going with the low blow and leading that to win it. It really blurred the lines here, and I didn't mind. It was something different. It was a new a new uh, wrinkle, you know, in the in the story here of these two guys. And I, I dug it. Uh, the kids I was – I was taken care of at the children's home. They dug it too. They they liked it. That was pretty cool. And I just um, 
I'm all for telling a story in the ring. And that was that told a story. Uh, sometimes it's not about the five star and it's the athleticism. It's it's about storytelling. This uh, this that's what the business that we love is about storytelling. And um, I've grown to appreciate that more than ever watching Undertaker matches. You know. Oh I yeah. Think. So, um, anyway, it was good. I love love the story told here, and and I'm excited for where it's going. Because again, this is the first time he's won over Brock. But again, it's still not clean. Is that good enough for you? Is it good enough to take a dirty win? Or do you need a clean win, you know? So, And think about it. Think about this, man. Uh, this is like the fourth or fifth match in a row that the Undertaker's had that he's had an iconic meme or, or gif come yeah. out of his matches. It so is. he has the laughing <laughs> thing with Lesnar here. He had the sit-up with the uh, spider walk with Bray mm-hmm. Wyatt. Um, he had all the fans' reactions from WrestleMania 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had sitting up in the Hell's Gate at WrestleMania 29. Um, he had the curtain call at WrestleMania 28. You know, he knows how to make these moments in mm-hmm. every single match that you're gonna you may not remember anything else but you're gonna remember a moment from that match i love exactly that. exactly and that's what it's about you know people can you can criticize the wwe style all you want but you know that's what you remember is those moments you know even a guy as, as pun intended phenomenal as aj styles has said that he didn't really learn about the moments until he got to wwe 2016 like it's yeah he can do everything there is on the sun but it's about those moments, which is why when we get to the Boneyard match, it's probably better than their in-ring match would have been, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, about the moments easily. that you get, you know? And Taker is the king of giving us fans those moments. So, And we're going to get a lot of moments here on the WWE Network in the month of October and November. Well, we'll talk about that in just a second. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to keep this podcast rolling, rolling, rolling on to the last ride. Uh, let us know what you thought of the match too big for WrestleMania, the main event of SummerSlam, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. We are at Talking Taker on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, Podbean, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcast, uh, RIP Quibi. Rest in peace. We are not there. Is it already gone? Yeah, it's dead. It's over. Uh, (laughs) We outlived Quibi, buddy. That's Um, good. Kudos to you on that. Um, We will keep this rolling till next week as we hit Hell in a Cell 2015 for the epic conclusion to Brock Lesnar and Undertaker's rivalry. Uh, Looking forward to revisiting that one. So hit us up with your comments on that. Hit us up with your memories of that match and with this one as well. Uh, Not a lot of social interaction this week. Uh, So, uh, you know, uh, keep it it coming. Uh, We want to hear if you were there, what it was like if you were watching it live. Uh, You can throw them in anytime. Uh, I said I'd talk about Undertaker's SummerSlam record. This was, of course, his final SummerSlam appearance to this day. He has never appeared at SummerSlam since this match. So he retired from SummerSlam with an overall career record of 10 wins, 5 losses, and 1 no contest with Kane at SummerSlam 2000, which I don't I don't even know if it technically got started or, or what happened right, with that. Yeah. that. That was a weird one. Uh, but uh, we'll count it in there with his 16 matches. So pretty freaking impressive SummerSlam record right there. Yep, absolutely. Uh, although, what's your favorite rest? What's your favorite SummerSlam match of his? Mm, 
it is not the Undertaker under Faker match. Uh, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, this uh, is not playing. We're just shooting by the seat of our pants here. Yeah, probably um, Undertaker versus Bret Hart from SummerSlam '97. Yeah. That's mine. or or the Undertaker Edge Hell in a Cell match from yeah. uh, 2008. Those those are definitely the top two that mm-hmm. jump out to me. Um, you know, the Undertaker Austin one had the best storyline going into it, but as we watched during the match, uh, the match itself was not <laughs> Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. I was going to say 97 with Brett. It's my favorite, and then probably Edge second. Maybe this one third. This one's great. This was really fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, mm. yeah absolutely. And uh, so we'll get to Hell in a Cell next week. His um, uh, Not his final Hell in a Cell match. Nope. He's going to have uh, yeah, another Hell in a Cell match. A couple months later. <laughs> a couple months later. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but as you were mentioning, Travis, that this is the 30 days of the dead man on the WWE Network celebrating his 30 years. Uh, we saw the commercial online that uh, Survivor Series itself is going to have an Undertaker theme. So they uh, that was rumored for a long time, and uh, now it's been made official. We'll probably see the Undertaker at Survivor Series in some way, shape, or form this year. Uh, and we've talked about doing a, a bonus episode covering all of this WWE Network stuff. But uh, real quick, just uh, what was what's your quick and dirty analysis of the untold special on the Undertaker Randy Orton feud that just debuted earlier this week on the network? I uh, love it. It was fantastic. It's great. Uh, Randy and Taker both had me cracking up. Um, also, just made me even more of a Randy Orton fan than I was. Uh, a lot, really cool. Just one of the particular stories he talks about Taker giving him a receipt was really neat. We'll, we'll talk about it later, but I really dug the heck out of it, and it just shows the professional that The Undertaker is. Um, even though he's going to give you a receipt, he's going to give it to you the right way. And uh, also, he chose to work with Randy at WrestleMania that year. That was, uh, that's big. That's a big deal for a 23-year-old kid or 24-year-old kid. You know, so it is well worth going out of your way to yes. watch this. Um, I liked it because some of these untold episodes, I'm like, no, I, I, I've heard this story told before. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Some, some of them are hit and miss to me. Some Ooh. of them are cool, but this one was like, you don't hear this period talked about too much, and this uh-uh. in depth, like this rivalry, which took up a year of Undertaker's career. Uh, it was cool to see them analyze it like this. And. And a lot of these, not a lot, some of these untold ones, they're told kind of kayfabe-ish, too. Like, they talk, you know, they don't, they don't really, it's not really untold. It's like kayfabe stuff. But this one wasn't. This mm-hmm. was legit behind-the-scenes stuff. Yep. And uh, just, you see, you get to see and hear how much Randy Orton's grown up, too. And he owes a lot of that to the Dude, yeah, We'll talk about that. There's laughs in it. There's tears in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's good stuff. There's blood in it. So blood, sweat, tears, laughter, exactly. all that. Uh, really, it's like <laughs> it's like 45 minutes. It's worth watching. You know? uh, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that eventually here on the show. We'll do it more in depth. Uh, quick shout out to um, someone who bought a T-shirt from us on Public. So I saw we had a T-shirt sold earlier this week on our Public sale. So thank you. To whoever bought that, uh, show us a picture when you get it, and we'll give you a shout out, uh, you mystery person out there. Uh, of course, go to tpublic.com to pick up any of our merch and support the show. Uh, and thanks to Jeremy Bagley, who created some just bonkers <laughs> graphics to our episode. 
which was pretty wild episode last week. We had some yeah. ridiculous references on that episode. So <laughs> thank you for Jeremy, our unofficial graphics guy, for coming up with this some stuff. Insane. Oh, it was hilarious. Uh, He's a regular Rob Schamberger. He is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, finally, just want to encourage all you creatures of the night to go go smack down your vote on uh, November third. Uh, this will be our last episode before Election Day here in the states. So uh, put our pod- download our podcast and listen to it as you wait in line uh, to early vote or to vote or wherever whoever you vote for. Uh, just go out and, and do it. So uh, yeah, that's my public service announcement. That's all mm-hmm. I got for tonight. Well, yeah, and thank you guys for listening. Again, we appreciate that there's anyone but us to listen. Again, there's lots and lots of lots of content out there. And so we appreciate you guys digging into our show and sticking with us. And if you were there at the Barclays Center on this night, if you were there the night before, uh, they built this weekend as like a triple threat. It was uh, TakeOver, SummerSlam, and then Raw the next night were all in the Barclays. So that was a big, big deal. Um, so if you were there for you know takeover or for this as well, let us know what you thought. What did you think about the screwy finish? Um, again, this is to me it's what they call a dusty finish, which is Dusty Rhodes. That's his stuff, man. And he you know, we talked about him passing away earlier, so this was a dusty finish, but I loved it. Uh, it's great, good storytelling. Let us know what you thought about this. Uh, were you excited for it or not? And uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, smack down your vote. Stay safe, and as always, take it easy. I'm looking forward to your match. I'm really here for the taker. He's kind of a buddy of mine. You know, he's always calling me up and being like, Really? Yeah, do you think this casket's too spooky or it's just right or this music? You know, he's trying stuff out on me and then just... Just sign it. The shirt? Yes, sure. Don't make it out to Nate. Just sign it. That's it.